Hello and welcome to the ETOF 2-1 Sports Podcast for September 29th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 2-1 Sports. We have an absolute phenomenal episode lined up for you today. First time around the show, Bryce. Bryce is going to come on and we're going to talk some NBA. Talk about the big trade going on between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Portland Trailblazers after that. Brandon's going to come on. We're going to talk about our NASCAR bets. Brandon hit William Byron at plus 900 last week. From there, we're going to shift our attention to football. Start with the CFL with Jim. Jim and I will share what bets we are making for this week's action. Look back at last week's action. After that, the hottest man in DFS, Nick, is going to come on and share his DFS picks. Then we're going to finish the episode with David talking NFL sharing our best bets for the weekend. But before we jump into all of that, I need to talk about this Thursday night football game. Great game for my Lions. Phenomenal game. This is a game historically this franchise has lost. Started off bad with interception, led to three. Buckled down, drove down, got the tutty, got a stop, tutty, turnover. This team is good. This team is way better than I thought. I still think they could have a special season if they would have drafted Jalen Carter. For those bitching about Jameer Gibbs, you guys need to start realizing if someone isn't used that much, Montgomery not at all, they're going to have a big workload the following Thursday. And that's what happened. That's why Montgomery got the 32 yards carries. Maybe we'll see as the progressive the season goes on, Gibbs mature into more. But right now, Gibbs ain't that. This is Montgomery's backfield, and especially coming off of, what, 13 days rest, 12 days rest, whatever it was, you can expect for him to do that. Love still looks a little bit unsettled. Obviously, got to take it with a grain of salt. The Packers had numerous line injuries because of that. Detroit's front was able to get home. But the main thing that stood out to me, like I said, this is a game historically the Lions lose. I was worried when they got it to what? Uh, 28, um, 28-11. As a Lions fan, I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. They're going to come back. But no, mature drive, drove down, punched it in. Lions are looking good, and it's great. It is so great to see that from this organization that they're starting to piece some shit together, and it looks like they got some dudes that are finally about winning, which is absolutely, positively phenomenal. Um... Romeo Dobbs, clear-cut number one. I really hope you guys kind of followed what Gino and I said about taking that over of the 500 bet. Clear-cut number one. Obviously, I don't really understood what was up with Aaron Jones. Really limited. Packers do have a weird schedule where they don't play it on Monday night, and then they have a bye week. Maybe LaFleur is trying to rest them. Obviously, I, I lost the Musgrave pop, prop because he went out, but I, I think they should just have been targeted him beforehand it's always amazing to me like you look at the analytics about a team having a hole somewhere defensively and son of a bitch for whatever reason it is they just refuse to target the weakness of the defense something that just amazes to me but as a Lions fan I'm great reminder ETOF 2-1 sports show Dave Weaver is going to be on this Tuesday Dave and I will go into this slate early in the week then later in this week, Sunday morning, I'm live on the winning ticket with Gino. Now, I'm really excited about this next guest to come on. We are going to be talking to my new boy, Bryce, from 
the INIS pod. I need it sports podcast. We're going to talk some NBA with the big blockbuster trade that happened. It's not often that we're talking NBA in the middle of the NFL season, but there is an absolute huge trade. And I'm really excited because I've, I've never talked, I've never had him on the sport on the uh, podcast before. I've been meaning to message him, meant to message him during the NBA season. But with this big trade, I reached out Bryce from the I Need It Sports podcast is here. Bryce, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing pretty good. I appreciate the opportunity to come on the podcast, Eric. Um, I've been meaning to get in touch with you, too. I've been keeping up with the pod, I, I guess, for probably about a year now since we've been in some of the Twitter group chats together. I tune in every now and again. And then, of course, we have the daily picks, whether it's NBA, NFL. So I'm tuned into those. Really like what you do. Happy to be Thank here you. and I didn't think I'd be talking about basketball four weeks before the NBA season started, but when that notification hit my phone at my desk at work, I was like, what in the world? Did not see that coming whatsoever. Completely out of left field. I would have never guessed it. Totally out of left field. And when your phone went off at work, what what was your first reaction? Like, what what was going through your head? Uh, first reaction, um, how... I don't want to, you know, use any profanity, but first reaction was like, what the hell? Like, I I know there were talks, obviously, from the very start. Dame wanted to go to Miami. Um, his his agent said, look, if y'all don't trade him to Miami, just letting any other team know the trades for him. He's not going to honor that trade. He wants to go to Miami. Portland wasn't really going for that. But then even just this last week, it was still reports out saying that the trade to Miami is imminent. So I'm thinking... It's only a matter of if, not when, or when, not if. But uh, then even on Instagram Live, I think earlier this week, someone commented on Dame's IG Live and was like, twist your beanie if, you know, you're going to be a heatle next year. And he twists his beanie. So I'm thinking like, yeah, he's going to he's gonna be, be uh, become a member of the Heat. It's just, what is the exact trade package? And then the notification hit my phone. Uh, my group chats are blowing up. And I'm like, oh, no. Nah, Maybe this is like one of those ball sack sports pages, something yeah, yeah, fake. Yeah. And then, nope, it's Adrian Wojnarowski, Shams, everybody tweeting. I'm like, oh, this is serious. Like, the Bucks might just have made one of the best trades in NBA it was, history, I think. It, it was absolutely insane. Um, I have, I have a friend, one of my friends who's an NBA, who works in the NBA. He sent me a text message early in the morning, says, you're going to be really happy later on. And like, I don't know if you know this, I, I live in the Chicago suburbs. It's actually easier for me to go up to Milwaukee for a game than to go to, down to Chicago. So I go up to the Bucks games a lot. And I've kind of, ever since I moved out here, Pistons number one, Bucks number two, I got a text message, you're going to be happy a little later. I thought the Pistons were going to be trading, like making a trade, getting getting somebody or like like doing something. That's what I assumed. I had no idea this was going to happen. And this kind of caught me a little bit off guard because this trade package kind of came out of nowhere. Um, Now, a lot of the big talks, you know, we're seeing Levitard do some stuff on, um, on social media about the trade package with hero, just kind of looking at it, which trade package did you like better? Do you like the hero and the couple picks or did you like this one with, you know, pick swaps, unprotected picks, Drew Holiday? You got 25-year-old DeAndre Ayton, who's yeah. showed some glimpses. What what trade package 
did you like and and why? What were your thoughts? So I feel like I'm on the side uh, that not many think. I actually like the trade package for Portland. Like you said, you get a young DeAndre Ayton. He's still 25, former lottery pick. Um, things obviously went sour in Phoenix with him, but I still think he's a really good player and he could probably use a great fresh restart. Um, they have a they just drafted um the third pick of the draft. I don't know why I'm blanking Scoot. on his name. Scoot Henderson. So that's their point guard for the foreseeable future. They want him to be the franchise guy. They have Anthony Simons, who's shown to be somewhat of a bucket getter these past couple years, but he kind of had to stay in Dame's shadow. So maybe he can take that leap. So if they would have got Tyler Hero, I feel like it would have kind of messed with the young guard group they already got building. And now you have those young guards. You go get a very serviceable big in DeAndre Ayton, I think. Get him in a in a new team, new coach, new system. Um, they'll probably utilize him more to his strengths because he is one of the better offensive players on that Portland team. As we're in Phoenix, you know, he had to defer to D-Book, defer to CP3, and then last year when they get Kevin Durant, obviously you got to defer to him as well. So he wasn't getting a chance to really utilize his skill set. I think it'll be a good match for him in Portland. Um, so I, I like the trade package. Um, on the flip side, it seems like the the trade package that Miami was offering – I don't think it would have mattered whatever they offered. Um, I don't know if you've seen since we just hopped on the podcast. And I know you've been busy today, but the they just dropped a story on Bleach Report. I believe it was Devin Haynes, the NBA reporter, basically with all the background information of how everything soured with Cronin and Damian Lillard. And it basically got to the point where Damian side felt like Cronin and company let their emotions get the best of them and they weren't going to do a deal no matter what. And then Damien was even at the point where, hey, if you're not going to trade me to Miami, I'm fine with coming back to Portland. And Cronin basically told him, like, no, can't come back from this. You're not coming back to Portland. I think they said Dame had been in Portland's facility like the last eight days. Cronin hadn't spoken a word to him. So yeah, more and more got- events unfold. It's, it, just, it just looks worse and worse. I haven't got a chance to read that article. Uh, I'm not, I'll, I'll just be up front. I'm not the biggest Tyler Hero guy. And I had two guys that work in the NBA, NBA executives, tell me that they didn't think the Heat would have made the run they did if Tyler Hero didn't get hurt because of the liability he has on the defensive side and just because of how the ball sticks in his hands. And that comment kind of sticks out to me. You got Scoot Henderson there. You got... um, Simon, and also you got the young kid Sharp, yeah. And now you bring somebody else to me. I that package just didn't do it for me. I'm not a Tyler Hero guy. Maybe it's just maybe I'm letting my bias yeah. kind of affect it. I like this package for them because we got to see what they're able to flip Holiday for. I think they're gonna be able to get some stuff for Holiday. Um, Aiden's like you said, it's only 25. He looked great with Chris Paul in that pick and roll. Then something happened, and it just wasn't the same. Maybe a change of scenery. I'm seeing a hundred to one most improved uh, player that could, that's worth a little $25 investment yeah, right there. You know, a hundred to one, that's kind of interesting. But I think the key thing is, is this first round pick is in 2030. <laughs> yeah. I think that's like and, a fifth or sixth grader right now. So think of it like this. Dame's probably retired. Giannis is at the tail end of career. If he's still there, that could be a God awful pick. It could. And the thing I remember, like I said, I'm a, I'm a Pistons fan, and we made one of the worst draft picks ever. 
we drafted Darko. Oh. But the only reason we had that pick is because that should have been the old school Memphis Grizzlies pick. And we'd had, they traded a pick way in the future for it. And that's why we we're able to get that top pick. So maybe it's a package like that, where at that point, the Blazers are one or two players away. They're able to get that young asset or flip him, those pick swaps. I think those are a little bit more attractive just because Miami is always going to be in my eyes, seven, six, eight. That's, that's just what they are. So I just kind of think those offer a little bit more potential. That's why I kind of, kind of like this. I think this does a lot of stuff for small market basketball. What do you think it does for small market basketball in the NBA? Oh, I think it's big for small market basketball. Um, I know we're talking about basketball, but as you see my shirt, I'm a Chiefs fan. We're a small market football team. Um, I'm 24, so for a majority of my life, I watched this be really bad. Yeah. Small market, could never get a big name. Now we have Patrick Mahomes, arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. And so you got can, Taylor Swift. You got yeah, Taylor we got, we got the Swifties <laughs> now too, so we're attracting everything. Um, as for a team like Milwaukee, of course, they won the championship back in 21. These last two years, they've come up short, but, you know, it was talks that Giannis was saying, like, hey, I'm not going to sign uh, an extension because I want to see what the team – if the team is all in, like, I'm all in. And small market team like them to actually make a move like this, bring in Damian Lillard, who I would argue is probably one of the best clutch players in NBA history, and you add him with the MVP and future Hall of Fame already and Giannis Antetokounmpo, and the Bucks. Dame is, I think, 32 or 33. I think he's still got at least another three to four years of solid prime left. So as long as they have him, Giannis, um, I know Middleton's gotten a little older and banged up the past couple years, but I think he's still serviceable. Brooke Lopez anchored on the back end. They should be in contention for a title, if not winning multiple titles for the foreseeable future. And it'll kind of kind of be like a F you to some of the big market teams who now are trying to buy championships, which hasn't worked at all in recent yeah. history. And it's like, you kind of got to build from the ground up, try to draft your franchise player, then put pieces around them when you can. And I think that's what Portland was putting off for so long. I think they should have gotten rid of Dame a year or two years ago when he had oh, more, sure. more to more to get back and yeah. trade off offers. So my, I, we got to give the Milwaukee Bucks GM. Um, I'm spacing on his name right now, of course. Um, uh, John Horse. John Horse. We got to give him some credit just because a couple years ago, we're in the same situation. Giannis was like, hey, look, I want to be here, but I got to know that you guys are committed to winning. He went out. They tried to get, they traded for Bogey from san antonio but there is tampering bogey ends up in atlanta but they did get drew holiday they brought in portis and they kind of formed that big three along with what they had did they get lucky did they get some breaks on their way like they played atlanta you know durant's foot was on the line but every team you could do that with every team that's every championship so they were down 2-0 they won they're down huge in that um, game five game, came back and won. Maybe we'll see history repeats itself. But I, I think the thing that kind of gets lost in the mix is the Bucks are doing what 
Giannis wants to try to keep him around and they're not breaking the budget. I did get a funny text message. And I want to tell you this. Uh, one of my buddies says his message was Lillard may break down and cry when he gets beat off the dribble and there's Lopez or Giannis protecting the rim. <laughs> it's because the lack of defensive help that He's he had, had, you know, it's just, it's just kind of crazy. This is, he's going to play with Middleton's the best two guard he's ever put two or three he's ever played with Giannis, the best player Lopez, the best rim protector. You know, this is kind of like for Dam who wanted, Hey, I want to win. Do you think Milwaukee gives them a better chance right now with what they have than Miami does? Oh yeah. Without a doubt. As long as this Milwaukee Bucks team stays healthy, um, I will say before I say what I'm going to say, I think they need to go get up, go out and get a backup five man. Um, I think Dwight Howard could be an easy pickup for cheap. Just someone that can come in, give him some good minutes, rebound, protect the rim a little bit. But as long as this team stays healthy, I don't think there's anything stopping them from a championship. I think I'll give Jokic and Murray the top spot right now because they obviously just won the championship, so they deserve all the credit in the world as the best duo in the NBA. But I think Giannis and Dame are the best duo in the NBA. They, in my opinion, fit each other hand to glove, complement each other perfect. Because one of the things I was hard on Giannis on about these past couple years is I don't think Giannis is necessarily a finisher in the clutch. Like um, this past year versus Miami, I know he said it's the whole steps to success thing in the press conference afterwards, but you could visually see he was running away from the ball because he didn't want to shoot free throws. He didn't want to be the one to take the final shot as they choked that lead to the Miami Heat. I think Grayson Allen ended up taking the final shot. Yeah. And now you pair that with Dame, who he's not afraid of the moment. Dame time, he feels like he can hit any shot, and he's hit a lot of big shots. Um, Personally, I've watched him literally knock out my Rockets in a playoff series years back. And yep. now you have Giannis, who Giannis is going to get you, you know, 35, 15, and 10 throughout the game. And then those last five minutes when you need a, a bucket, Dame can go get that bucket. And like you said, Chris Middleton, the best two guard he's ever had, all the attention that Dame and Giannis will be drawing, it's going to make it that much easier for Middleton to get looks who, you know, he's he was a major part of that championship as well. I think he had a 40-point game during that series. But I'll I'll tell you what, man, I agree. I've, I've been to way too many Bucks games that I want to admit. I agree 100% with what you're saying. And when we look back at their championship run, I think the big thing was during those finishing times, it was Middleton and Giannis pick and roll or Middleton ball on the elbow just going to work, either getting to the rim, getting to the three-throw line, or just pulling up. And that was their big issue last year in the playoffs. Middleton, obviously not 100%. Holiday, really, that's not his game. You know, he's more of a point guard, can pull up from a three, do some pick and roll and stuff, but he's not the, the rim finisher. With adding Lillard to the mix, is this the firepower? Is this the, what? what is the word I'm looking for? The jolt that this Bucks team needed to get over this hump? Because we've kind of seen it for the last couple of years, now, granted, Griffin's there, not Bud is gone. Is this going to kind of be that jolt? Because they've kind of just been that best team coasting and it comes in the playoffs and it's a little bit of a rocky roll. 
Is this going to be the thing that's going to push them to the next level where they can win a championship right now? I think so because I think Dame is coming in as hungry as ever. Um, that that report I was just telling you about that I was reading right before I hopped on here. I know there, there's obviously been a lot of rumors and everything about. I think earlier today they tried to say that Giannis wasn't even consulted about the trade, but in the report, according to Devin Haynes, um, Giannis, you know, he he gave his his feedback to you know like Drew Holiday, his brother for life, won a championship. Can't take that away, but at the same time, he's very excited for Dame. And I quote from the article: Apparently, at right after the trade, Giannis texted Dame Lillard, "Let's get this effing championship." I think Dame is going to bring an inspired hunger to that team. I feel like they probably got a little complacent that year after they won the finals. Then last year, they get they match up with an unsuspecting Heat team who hadn't looked good all year, and then like you said, Hero goes down. They have to put in. Uh, more of those bench players like Shrews, Vincent gets more minutes, Caleb Martin, and they they get them. They they upset them. They didn't even upset them. They whooped them four to one. Yeah, wasn't close. You know, didn't. Then they sat had sat them out game two because they just figured they could win the game. They could win, and you know, game three. They won game two. They sat them out game three. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be a jolt. I think this is going to put them over the edge and. Like, I'm not, don't get it. I made this comment, like, when they lost, um, I think it was to the Celtics. And I, like, people were blowing me up saying I was a buffoon. So don't don't misinstrue my comment. Because Kobe, in terms of drive, wanting to win, was top tier. We've never seen everyone at that level. I think this is a player that wants to win closest to the Kobe Bryant level. I really think that's what Giannis is, and I think he's going to raise Dame's game up. And I think it's going to take a little while, but I think it's going to be something special in Milwaukee. And I think if they can stay healthy, I kind of think it's theirs to lose. But my worry point is Holiday is a dog, a lockdown defender. Are they going to be able to get stops when they need it? Because we've seen how important like the Grant Williams, Marcus Smart, um, those PJ Tucker when they won it a couple years ago, those type of guys are just those lockdown defender type guys that are just you don't want to play during the regular season, but come a postseason, you got to have them. Are the Bucks going to be able to get some stops when they really don't have Jay Crowder is the closest guy they have to one of those guys? Yeah. So my opinion on this topic is, I, I give Drew Holiday all the credit in the world. He's probably top two arguably one of uh, offensive defensive players. Like he's a great lockdown defender and he's pretty good on offense. Obviously these last two years in the playoffs, he hasn't been, he hasn't played up to his regular season standards. So I think that's part of the reason you get a trait like this because they're trying to get back over that hump. But in today's NBA, everybody is so offensively talented. I don't think there truly is a lockdown shutdown defender anymore because Half the time, half the battle is you just have to hope the guy on the offensive side of the ball misses because these guys are uber talented. And you've seen that this year. As good as Drew Holiday is, Jimmy Butler hung 60 on his head, and that's the last moment we're going to have of him in a Bucks uniform is Jimmy Butler cussing him up and down the court as he gives him bucket after bucket, and there's nothing you could do. What I think Dame opens up is Dame takes the pressure off of Giannis of having to score because he wasn't getting help from Middleton and Drew, 
now I think Giannis can say, you know, these last couple years I've been going hard. I've been MVP. I think he can go back to the mode where I'm going to go for defensive player of the year. Dame can get all the buckets we need. And, of course, that's going to open up the paint. You're going to be able to spread the court more because people are going to have to respect Dame from literally as soon as he steps across half. That opens up the lane for Giannis, and he can go get those easy buckets. And you got Brooke Lopez at the stretch five. So I think while, yes, they might dip a little bit defensively, the level that Dame adds to their offense completely overrides that, and I think they'll be perfectly fine moving forward as long as they stay healthy. Now, as crazy as it sounds, as crazy as it sounds, I think one of the keys to the Bucks roster is Jackson, the rookie from UConn. I think they have someone that could be that lockdown like defender. I won't use the term lockdown because I know you don't like it, Bryce. Oh, oh. <laughs> def- I'll say key defender. I, I think he could be like a key defender, a, like a PJ Tucker type guy for them. What are your thoughts on um, Jackson from UConn? I'm thinking the same thing. He's, I think, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, He's got length, size. Um, I I don't know how many minutes he'll get early because obviously we got the new coach here. You just got Dame. Um, they, they're bringing back Jay Crowder into the mix. You got Pat Connaughton, Bobby Porter. So I don't know where he falls in the exact rotation early on in the season. But I think he is someone that can come off the bench, kind of provide that defensive spark, you know, get the 50-50 ball hustle. Because he's going to have to find a niche on this team because obviously he's not going to be needed for scoring purposes. Um, he he needs to work on his three. Obviously, he wasn't that great of a three-point shooter in college. So he'll have to be able to knock down an open shot here or there. But I think coming off the bench, a guy, you know, hey, you have six fouls. Don't be afraid to use them. Be uber aggressive. Try to get steals, get in the passing lanes. I think he's going to fit that role well, and it's just going to be an, another guy that brings some energy off the bench where, you know, me and my friends always joke that Giannis is 100% all or nothing every time he steps on the basketball court. Like, it's a random Tuesday night, and you look at your phone, and Giannis has got 45, 12, and 12, and it's like, why is he going this hard on a Tuesday night in Orlando? But that's just how he is. And I think he he the rookie can be not Giannis, but – he can come in and bring that energy in five to ten minute spurts for whatever minutes he's relegated to and just be a, another person that adds to the defensive side of the ball for them because I think they got offense all covered with this Damian Lillard trade. Now, you mentioned Giannis being that guy. I don't know if you ever heard this story. His rookie year, like he over, is either he overslept and he couldn't get an Uber to practice. He ran from where he was staying in Milwaukee to the practice facility to be on time. I've never heard that, but that, that is sounds like a Giannis thing. Absurd. Um, now, you know, we mentioned Horst a little while ago. And, you know, he made that trade. Now he's made this trade. Do you think in the big scheme of, you know, this guy's a good general manager, this guy's a good general manager, is he getting overlooked for what he's done? You know, he's kept Giannis, got Lopez to come back, because the big rumor was, Lopez and Van Vliet were going down to Houston. Got Lopez that came back, got Middleton to re-sign on a player-friendly deal. This holiday contract, the way it worked out, they would have to get given him an extension. Moved on from him, got damn. I think he kind of gets overlooked with what he's able to do, and he's keeping keeping Giannis happy in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is tough to do. Yeah, I think um, depending on if – 
if the Bucks play as well as we think they can, from what we've just said, I think he'll be due for his second GM of the year award. I know he won it back in 2019. Um, that was the year after you bring in Brooke Lopez. And you see Brooke Lopez completely transform his game to the modern NBA, become a true stretch five. Then you get Drew Holiday in free agency, which is the literal missing piece. I know earlier you brought up game five, the NBA finals. I'm pretty sure that's the game. Drew Holiday closed it out with the clutch still on Devin Booker to seal the yeah. game. And, and so he made lot. that move. It resulted in the championship. And as much as people, you know, I know there's the emotional side now where it's like, oh, you're going to miss Drew's defense. Why would you get rid of him? He's, he was some of the heart of this team. But it's like there was also talks of Drew Holiday was possibly thinking of retirement within a year or maybe now. And yeah. now you trade him away and you're able to get Dame Lillard, who if everything goes, you know, as we think it can, if they're winning, I don't see Dame Lillard wanting to leave. So I think you get at least four to five years out of Damian Lillard, and that's four to five years of Giannis, who I think Giannis hasn't even necessarily entered his prime. I, I always say um that Ben Simmons should have d done what Giannis did. Giannis couldn't shoot. He still struggles to shoot at times, but he's gotten progressively better. But he started taking those shots in the game, was missing, you know, didn't worry about the critics and what they said, but now he's become a better player for it. And one day, if he ever does figure out how to consistently shoot an outside jumper or a deep two, the league literally has no way to stop him because yeah. you can't stop him at the rim already. And if he can consistently shoot from the outside, then it's like, well, dang, we're just hoping he misses at that point. So I think this he definitely horsed GM of the year, early pick for GM of the year. I don't know what the odds will be for that, but I'll probably sprinkle on that too because this move, like I said, out of left field, would have never saw it coming, but it's arguably the best move in a long time in NBA free agency, I think. And I always, in my eyes is this, like you can always kind of tell how good a franchise is by how much stuff gets out. Nothing got out about this. This was tight, sealed, no one talking. And then it was just, out of left field. So I really think the ship is a tight ran ship there as much as everyone wants to. Um, I can't even say the Sixers GM because of the hard and stuff. <laughs> Riley, as much as everyone talks about heat culture and Riley, I think Horst, you know what he's able to do. I think it's getting a little overlooked. I also think a team that came out looking really good that no one's talking about this kind of getting pushed off the left field is the Phoenix Suns. The big knock after getting Beal was, Hey, you have no depth. You traded away Aiden, granted, who was young, but he really didn't want to be there. You got Nurkic, who played with Joker, a big to match up with Joker. You got Grayson Allen, who's a court spacer, could knock down a three. You got Little, who I, I was high. I was high on when he came out of UNC, but really hasn't done anything, but it's a body. Then you got Keon Johnson. I think there, I think Phoenix has done a sneaky job of getting serviceable people around Booker, Durant, and Beal, and no one's really talked about it, and they're kind of lost in the mix right now. So I think it, they added depth, which is good. I'm still, I still just want to see how this all plays out because I know, you know, you get Bradley Beal. He's obviously a great two-guard. 
Um, the last couple of years in Washington, he's kind of fallen off because Washington just hasn't been a good franchise. So he gets a fresh start. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays coming out of that. But they still don't have a point guard. And I know Bill was kind of relegated to that role in Washington. He didn't really thrive in that role. I know Devin Booker kind of took over some of the point guard responsibilities when CP3 would be out last year. And you got KD, who's, I believe, entering season 17. So I, I want to see how all three of them are able to share the rock because that's a lot of shots to be shared in between them. And then those players, while they did add depth, those players now have to buy in, which I'm sure most of them already know. Like, you know, you got KD, Devin Booker, Bradley Bill. I'm more than likely not going to be getting more than five shots a game. And for players like Grayson Allen, all those shots are probably going to be corner or wing threes at various points of the game that you got to be ready to knock down. I think the Grayson Allen was a great pickup. Nurkic is a good pickup. I'm worried because he's also been back. He's been injury riddled the last few years. And like I said, KD year 17 hasn't played a full season. And I think the last four years, Devin Booker usually has, he always has a soft tissue injury, which always worries me. seems like every year with the hamstring or something. So I'm just worried about health. But like I said, the depth, you know, if something does come up health wise, maybe that depth can help them stay afloat. But the one thing I think that's kind of getting phased out, I don't think you can necessarily buy a super team and win anymore. We've seen the Clippers try to do it. That's been a failure. You watched Brooklyn try to do it. That's been, that was a failure. I Granted, I know that health plays a big part in the reason why those are failures with Kawhi, PG, and then the big three in Brooklyn played like 16 games together. But at the same time, the Suns, like I, for all the reasons I just stated, they have the same kind of worries and scares there. So. I just want to see it play out, see how they look. Obviously, they'll be right there in the playoffs as long as they stay relatively healthy. But when it comes down to playing a, a team like Denver Nuggets, I still don't know if they have enough to compete with them because I think Bill, Booker, and KD in a playoff series, they're going to have to average at least 90 to 100 points by themselves and then get stops on the other yeah. end. So, yeah, and like, can you get the stops? And yeah. who's going to guard Joker? I mean, Joker is just another freak. And then, you know, Jamal Murray's knocking down shots. If Porter's doing his thing, yeah, like, I mean, they're it, they're they're just tough. They're just tough. Um, you know, back back to Port Portland. One thing I didn't mention about them is they also resigned Jeremy Grant, who's only 29 years old. I thought Jeremy Grant was a lot older than 29, but he's only 29 years old. And on December 15th, they're able to trade him. Yeah. So a team, the team, the only team I can think of at the top of my head is a team like the Knicks. I think Jeremy Grant would work great for the Knicks. I don't know if they could work out a package for him, but I think Jeremy Grant is another asset they have. I think this is, I think we're seeing Oklahoma City 2.0 slowly forming out in Portland. And Scoot could be there, Shade Gilders Alexander. Someone four or five years down the road is an MVP candidate going into next season. Um, I think they're really set up good moving forward. What do you think about the Blazers moving forward? I think they're set up good, but then also, I guess it just depends on who you ask and what their definition of good is. Cause like I said, I think Portland made this move two years too late. So they're now entering the rebuild. 
And at least for the next two years, I don't see teams like the Nuggets, the Warriors, um, the Lakers. Lakers. The Suns, like those teams aren't going anywhere, even though they're on the older end of the spectrum. You got the Clippers. I mean, you know, we haven't even mentioned Memphis yet. Yeah. So that's what I was going to mention next. Then you have the younger teams. You got Memphis. You have Sacramento, who I think is, I think Sacramento is really primed to be good in the future. OKC, I think those two will be battling it out for years down the road in the West, and they'll be some of the, the top two teams every year. Um, I'm hoping and praying with Ime and some of our young core, my Rockets can finally be competitive. But I think Portland made good moves. It's just in the Western Conference is so loaded. I don't know when they'll see any returns from it. But like you said, they got a young core. Who knows what, what Scoot Henderson could be. And I know you asked me, or from the write-up you sent me, you were saying, um, where do you think Drew Holiday goes? Yeah. That was my next question. So I, I might be looking too much into this, but I, I know you keep up with college football as well. I don't yeah. know if you were watching the Colorado-Colorado State game a few weeks ago, but they showcased during the broadcast up in one of the booths, Chauncey Billups was sitting next to Kyle Lowry. And oh. I was thinking, like, why on earth would they ever be sitting together? And I don't know if it could happen because maybe – Cronin and Pat Riley aren't on good terms, you know, with this whole Dame thing. Or maybe it was just Cronin, you know, specifically just trying to not honor Dame's request. But I think it would be the most ironic and comical thing if Portland then decides to trade Drew Holiday to Miami for Kyle Lowry. And then you have Kyle Lowry, a vet, come in, kind of mentor Scoot Henderson. And then it could kind of be like the OKC situation where CP3 was there for a year mentored Shea and now look at Shea one of the best point guards in the league so and I'll be honest I'm loving my Shea 25 to 1 to win MVP going into next season um I I love that thought and when you think of Drew Holiday if you're just to pick one guy that says hey that's heat culture he's gonna be the guy that comes in yeah don't worry about him getting shaped I mean dude that's that's true Drew is a dog dude and that I was trying to think off the top of my head teams like obviously Miami fits, fits the bill. Boston fits the bill. Yeah. Boston, they definitely have to make the call. I don't know what they could give for them, but they need to make the call. Cause I think Boston has been a point guard away for however many years now. And they just refuse to fill oh the position, God. but Drew they, holiday yeah. would be perfect for them. And plus you lost smart. You would be replacing his defensive intensity with Drew holiday uh, Philly, but I don't know if you saw it all over um, social media. Harden's at a party with a one of the oh, yeah. dancing like, girls. Like, I'm down here. I know exactly you know. what club he was at. <laughs> I'm sure I know some of the girls that work there. And on the sign says yeah. Daryl Moore is a liar. Yeah. yeah. So you got. I mean, that makes sense. You obviously got Miami. One of my someone texted me. Wouldn't it be funny if he got bought bought bagged out back out? Side for the men in Milwaukee. I think that'd be hilarious, but I think there's zero chance of that happening. Um, I'm still a Piston fan. I would love to see him in Detroit, but I don't think he'd go there because he wants to go someplace to win a championship. Um, Clippers are interesting. They are. Clippers are really interesting. Like if they were able to work something out, him going to LA. Um, what about New Orleans? A second stint in New Orleans for Drew? 
you know, you put him, you got CJ, you got Zion. I mean, obviously they'll have to probably, I don't know what they move, but I'm just, if Zion can ever stay healthy, because I think we all forget, and I forgot this too, and so I started looking at it. When Zion, CJ, and BI were healthy, that was the best team in the West. Oh, yeah. I, I, I literally, last year for our NBA predictions on the podcast, I picked the Pelicans to finish top three, and I said, watch out for them as a dark horse to finish first place in the West because they're young, they're hungry, and they were just coming off that series where they tested Phoenix and almost, you know, knocked them out in the playoffs the year before. And then health just completely took them out of any any type of competition in the West. Zion out for the year, obviously. B.I. was in and out. C.J. in and out. Uh, their bench players like Alvarado was out. So I was just like, they have great talent. They just can't stay healthy. And I think uh, their coach, Willie, is he's a great, great NBA coach. It's just he hasn't had a chance to showcase that, and they just haven't been able to put it all together. So I mean, I think that'd be a great pickup. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because I think there's going to be a lot. I think there's going to be a lot more suitors than people realize. Um, the biggest team obviously affected was the Heat. Okay. Summer after summer, all we hear about is these stars coming to Miami. A couple of years ago, it was Giannis was coming down there. That didn't happen. Then it was Beal. That didn't happen. Now. Lillard, that's three big swings and misses. This offseason, what'd they lose? The Struess. Struess, Vincent. Vincent. You have a Tyler Hero who, I mean, who knows how he feels. He's yeah. in trade talks every year, but. You know, how how is he going to be? Like, I just, I think there's a team, like, they're going to be affected. Like, is, are we going to. Has our perception of Pat Riley changed now? Um, I think when you'll look back on this in history, this will definitely be added to those other years you talked about. This year, I feel like, though, at least from what I'm seeing from these reports, it has to be an anomaly. Because I don't think there's anything he could have offered Cronin and got this trade done. Because I think Cronin really, for whatever reason, just fell out with Damian Lillard. I don't know what exactly Damian Lillard did behind the scenes. All we know is that, you know, he requested a trade to Miami and said, hey, I don't want to play for anyone else. Please send me to Miami. And Cronin didn't want to honor that. So I don't think this one necessarily falls on Pat Riley. But at the end of the day, that Heat culture, he's obviously won many NBA championships with the Lakers as well. I don't think there's too much you can say to discredit him in the fact that they have been the two finals. Granted, they haven't won in the last three years. It's like, yeah, he he deserves a little bit of blame, but at the same time, it's like if if he's deserve if he's gonna get a lot of criticism for what he's done, then there's not too many other NBA GMs that you could say are actually good because none of these these other teams are doing what the Heat are doing yeah. over the, over recent years. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. I just think this is a really weird situation with Dame and, you know, he, him being loyal to Portland. And it just has completely gone to crap over the last couple months. And I don't think we'll ever truly know why. We'll have reports swirling for God knows how there's long. there's like three guys that actually know the truth. You yeah. know what I mean? And everyone's going to put their spin on it. Um, and I will say this. Uh, it kind of reminds me to a lesser extent. Kyrie wanted to be traded to L.A., and but it wasn't like a big as 
I don't want to say fuss. I'll use the term deal as a Dame trade just because Kyrie's bounced around. They wouldn't trade him to LA, trade him to Dallas instead. So this is, I mean, it's on the same level, but I don't think it's as, as big of a deal, if that makes sense. Yeah. And um, on the flip side, you got to think, because some people will say, well, dang, like this is what Dame gets for being loyal. Like he didn't honor his trade request in Miami, but it's like, while Cronin might have been, you know, wrong to not honor the request, you couldn't have sent him to a, a better team than Milwaukee, who already has champion a championship, still plenty of players from that championship roster, arguably top two, top one player, Giannis. Whether you know, I I could see the argument for Jokic after this year, but regardless, top two at the very least. I mean, I think. This team, Milwaukee with Dame, is more suited to win a championship than Dame in Miami with their rosters. Oh, 100%. 100%. And you mentioned it. Like, the only people that have a championship down in Miami, Love. Love has won, but he's at the tail end of his career. And Lauer, I think that's the only people that have a championship pedigree yeah. down there. And, they're, and he's oh also no, in the tail. Oh, no. They signed Thomas By- Byron, who sat on the bench and watched the Nuggets win a title. Oh. So that, you know, so he won one one. But then you go up to Detroit, not Detroit, excuse me, Milwaukee, Giannis, Middleton, Portis, Lopez, Pat Connington. Um, you know, you just got more people that have been there and done that. Um, now, I was talking to my friend who, you know, works in the league. And I said, I, I asked him, what is the first word that comes to your mind when I say Miami Heat? And I was blown away with his answer. But before I tell you what he said, I want to ask you the same question. When I say the Miami Heat, what is the first word that comes to your mind? This So out of all the questions you sent, this was the hardest one I've been mulling over all day. Um, I have two words that I could best try to depict what I want to say, but I would either say insufficient or inadequate. And what I mean by that is they have the Heat culture, so they're always going to be competitive. They're never going go to go down without swinging. Um, last year, I had to eat my words. I said they wouldn't be good, and they would miss the playoffs. They weren't good, but they squeaked into the play-in, made the playoffs, and then they make a run to the finals. And I said they would be swept by the Bucks when they made it. So I had to eat all of that. I'm like, I'll never doubt Eric Spolstra and the Heat again. But at the end of the day, with all the Heat culture, they have – solid players and they build players up undrafted players are they're infamously known for you know winning with undrafted players but at the end of the day it's not sufficient enough to get over that hump they can get to the hump but they just won't get over the hump until they can get a star player like Jimmy Butler is a great playoff player but I wouldn't I still wouldn't consider him a star NBA player because he's not consistent enough and while he plays great in the playoffs once the finals comes he kind of drops off a little yeah. bit in there and it's not the same level and they just can't get over that hump. So that for some reason, I know way too many heat stories, but I'll, I'll answer this question. That I want to tell you a couple of heat stories. The word my buddy used developmental, which if you're trying to win titles, trying to get these stars, you don't want to be known as a developmental franchise. That's what I took away from it. So if I'm, Beal, Lillard, Giannis, whoever. And I look at this franchise as a developmental franchise. 
you know what I mean? Do I really want to go there where I think I could win a championship? You know what I mean? That's something. A um, couple of quick Spolstra stories, because I, I love Spolstra. Uh, story one, when James was there, James comes into his office and he's like, I think we need to start doing this, 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 like, like breaks down everything. Spolstra goes up to the whiteboard, gets out um, a marker, writes down a number and says, here, call this, call this, call this number if you have any issues. It was Pat Riley's cell phone number. And they just left the room. Pat Riley, sorry, Spolster story number two, Butler goes down there. Butler starts saying, I think we need to do this, 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 this. Polster opens up his desk drawer, puts on his champion, one of his championship rings and goes, when you get one of these, I will not listen, consider listening to you. I mean, Spolster is just, Spolster, Spolster. I love that guy. Um, one more thing, a couple more things with the Heat. Will the Heat even make the playoffs? They have Hero, who, you know, we've talked about. We don't even know if he's going to be happy. Is he going to be happy there? He's probably still upset he didn't get traded. Uh, Lowry, who looked great in the playoffs. He looked phenomenal in the playoffs, but he's old. They brought back Richardson. Duncan Robinson, who fell out of the rotation, now is back in. Jimmy Butler, who, for whatever reason, gets a pass for never being able to win. Kevin Love, who's old, Caleb Martin, who had a great series but then disappeared, and bam, that's basically their rotation. Is that good enough to even make the playoffs in the East? Yeah, I, like, I, like I just said, I'll never doubt them again just based off that heat culture, whatever that is and whatever it entails. They're going to be in the playoffs at the end of the day, and I think the East is still extremely top-heavy, especially with the move like today or yesterday, or yeah, today with Dame, or yesterday, I'm sorry, yeah. but – uh. Yeah, the you got the Bucks, the Celtics, who are I think at this point really one and two right now in title odds for the Eastern Conference. Um, then you got the Hawks, who I don't I didn't like the move for Dejounte Murray last year. I didn't think that got them anywhere, so I still expect them to be bottom middle of the pack. Chicago, unfortunately, it's looking like they're gonna have to go another year year without Lonzo Ball which sucks for them because I thought they could have really been a good team with Lonzo Ball. Um, other than that, Brooklyn, I guess Ben Simmons is supposedly back and healthy, so we'll have to see what he looks like. But there's really no teams to worry about in the East that I think of besides Boston and Milwaukee because Philly, of course, what we just talked about, nobody knows what's going on in Philly, but it's looking like that's coming down. That ship is sinking fast. Joel's probably... Joel, I think, especially with the Damian Lillard move, I think Joel's probably starting to message his agent like, hey, do we need to try to force a trade or see what where we could possibly go? Because I don't think he's going to ever win in Philly with how things are going. So I, I expect the Heat to be there, whether that's the sixth through eighth seed. Yeah, it might be, but they'll be in the playoffs at the end of the day, I think. And then once they're there, you better bring your A game because you know they're going to be coming hard at every moment. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that's a big uh, big domino that needs to fall next is what's going on with Embiid. Um, obviously, this whole Harden thing and, you know, the thing going on with him and Maury, you know, that's going to create some tension. Um, maybe Embiid to the heat. Him and Butler seem to get along. Maybe that's a domino that can afford, like, um, fall later on during, uh, during the season. You mentioned the 
the Hawks. And it's funny, like I have certain guys that just aren't my guys. And toward the, in the NFL, the top guy is Baker Mayfield. I'm just not a Baker Mayfield guy. Like I just, I just don't like Baker Mayfield for whatever reason. I'm just not a big Baker Mayfield guy in the NBA. Top person on that list, Trey Young. I, I don't know. I'm just not a Trey Young guy. I don't like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I just, I just don't think you can win with Trey Young. Yeah, I don't if think that, so either. And I, like, I'm just not, I'm just not a Trey Young guy. Uh, last thing I want to, I want to discuss with you looking at the Bucks potential playoff rotation. Now, of course, they could sign a guy like a three and D guy, get a guy. Um, that gets bought out, another move. We're not right now we're looking at it. Lillard, Connington, Middleton, Ante DeCupo, and then either Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis. We gotta assume that's gonna be the five that close the game, right? Yeah. In the playoffs. And then you got Crowder, Beasley, Jackson, the rookie from um Yukon. You know, Ty Ty Washington is your backup point guard. That's the worry point for me. Oh, I didn't even Ty realize Ty he got picked up there. I, yeah. I've been rooting for Ty Ty because my Rockets picked him up, yeah. didn't use him, shipped him off to, I believe, OKC. Then he immediately got shipped again. So yeah, I think if given an opportunity, he could be a serviceable backup point guard. So I'm not – I actually like that move for them then. So, I, so yeah. is that good enough? Oh, yeah, more than good enough because when it comes down to the clutch, you're going to – be sticking with probably a solid seven or eight rotation in the thick of the playoffs. And for all those players you just named, I think that's more than enough. Bobby Portis, in my opinion, is the best six man in the NBA oh. right now. And he's how probably he had that last year. Like, I, literally, I, I, how I don't know. did he not win the six man award? Best team, you know, I think like, he had the best pick and roll offense. Like I don't. Sorry to interrupt you. Finish your. Oh talk. no, you're good. But yeah, no, he's he's the best six man to me, hands down. Um, Jay Crowder, while he hasn't won a championship, he's been to multiple championships. He has deep playoff run experience, so that's another veteran presence in that locker room. You got Dame. He's obviously hungry as ever. Best team he's ever been on. Best teammate he's ever had in Giannis, Brooke Lopez one of the better five men in the NBA, the way he's been able to adapt his game. I've been seeing a lot of people say, you know, oh, that Giannis, Damian Lillard pick and roll is going to be crazy. And it's like, yeah, and the pick and pop with Brooke Lopez is going to be equally crazy because you're going to have to respect both their shots. And I just think they can score from all levels. So, And the funny thing is, is all this stuff is going on. You have someone like Connington. Knockdown shooter. Could just he's hit some big ass shots during their playoff run. Yeah. If Middleton can stay healthy, we've shown he's showing us that he's more than capable. He's going to be getting better and better matchups now. Oh, yeah. Portis, who's just oh my god, Port Portis will never have to buy another meal in Milwaukee for the rest of his life. Like he's just he's Milwaukee gold the rest of his life. He can get rebounds. He can knock down that corner three. And he brings that physicality. Like if someone like knocks Giannis down, knocks Lillard down, knocks Glover down, he's right there. Yeah, he's sticking up in the face. So I don't know. I think I think my Bucks are in a good spot. And this is kind of a weird, weird thing. You know, my Lions are about ready to go three and one. You know, 
my Bucks just made a big trade. My Pistons with um, Cunningham, uh, Ivory, they got some stuff going on. They got yeah, the, the Thompson, Thompson twins. I've been around a lot of losing franchise, man. This is this is like <laughs> this is like a different feeling for me. Uh, Bryce, dude, look at this, dude. We talked for fifty minutes about NBA, just stuff flowing off. I, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Coming on, talking some NBA. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media and what day is the I Need It Sports Podcast comes out? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm Bryce. I'm actually one-third of the I Need It Sports Podcast. Me and a couple other buddies from high school um, started this up because growing up, we used to always talk in our group chat, argue about sports all day, every day. We always joke like, hey, we should make a sports podcast, but being in college, busy with that, never had the time. Graduated, and we finally just kind of said, like, hey, is this something we really want to do? We started it up last year. Um, been going a year and a half strong. Been really good, really fun. Uh, you'll see me and my partner, Cam. We're the main guys. We talk all sports. We'll bring on our third friend, Chris, who's more of our NBA guy. Football season, we just recorded an episode uh, yesterday. He's a Cowboys fan. So we brought him on so he could give his spill about Dak and how he felt about this past weekend's loss to Arizona. But you can find us on Twitter at that handle with our name right here on the screen, at INIS Pod. Um, that's the same as our YouTube. And then in our Twitter bio, there's a link to all of our socials if you want. We have Instagram, got YouTube, like I said. You can find us on Spotify, Apple for the podcast itself. So definitely appreciate appreciate you having me on. Um I'm now I'm I'm going to get you on on one of our podcasts pretty soon. Chop it up about football. NBA's coming up. Definitely want to bring you back on for that. So excited to, you know, be on this podcast. Hopefully it could be a partnership moving forward. We could do a lot of collabs here and there. Um, like I said, I've been familiar with you for about a year now. And, you know, you're one of the guys I retweet and like follow your posts all the time. So really like what you're doing over here. Thanks. I love what you guys are doing. Just reach out, man. I'm always game to talk anything i mean sports as long as it's not baseball i am so goddamn and that, of baseball. That, we don't talk baseball <laughs> yeah so as long as it's not baseball nfl college football nba college basketball i am there looking for that make sure you give bryce a follow at i n i s pod and we will talk soon my friend make sure to follow bryce over at i n is pod also check out his podcast the i need it sports pod great stuff i've listened to it before those guys are a great listen really knowledgeable know their stuff now let's shift our attention over to some nascar we've reached the part of the podcast where we're talking nascar and who better to come on to the man who called byron last week at a nice juicy plus 900 winner brandon how you doing today my man doing good how about yourself you know what, dude? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I don't know if you heard it, but there's a nice little trade made in the NBA. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I think you'll be let down and find out there's tampering involved, but it's all good. So let me get this straight. How is there tampering? I don't know. I just I saw the Jimmy Butler. Thing. Jimmy Butler's a solid, a salty little bitch, dude. Like, I have Jimmy Butler stories up the fucking wazoo, dude. Everyone kisses this guy's ass. I've never seen a guy that loses more shit and gets the biggest, biggest pass because he works hard and he buys into the heat culture. 
guy's a fucking loser. Hasn't won shit. I need you to tell me how you really feel, but we'll we'll, that will, we'll save that for October tenth. Um. All right. So let's move on. Um. Dega. Everyone knows how this works. Are these speedways? We have to be super selective. I'm getting a lot of positive feedback. You guys kind of like how the mixing up of the bets, not just a straight winner. So I have three bets: a top ten, a head-to-head, and a winner. Brandon's got three. Three winners. We agree on one. So the one we agree with, Brandon is going to kick us off, tell his thought, then I'll tell my thought. Ryan Blaney. Uh, the stats do, do it justice. He runs up front every super speedway. He's in competition every super speedway. The man's just good at super speedways. Ran into some recent bad luck. But uh, I like Ryan Blaney, 12 to 1. You're, you probably have the stats on him, but... My notes are this. Death, taxes, betting Blaney at super speedways. Since 2020, he's led the most laps here at Dega, 14.6% of the laps. Back-to-back second place just here. Second place finishes here. One in 2020 and 2019. And the thing that really sticks out to me is we always talk about we want to find drivers that quote-unquote avoid the big one. Last 10 races, only one wreck. Yeah. So I like Blaney here, you know, 12 to one. I, I, I like Blaney next bet. Where are we going? My man, I'm going Chastain track house is due for something. They've been really quiet. Chastain's in the playoffs. Suarez is not, but all year, week after week, we had something to discuss with track house, how good they were looking. I feel they fell off a little bit. And I think Talladega is one of those spots that you see them get their name back in the mix lock track house into the round of eight uh, after the Roval. So uh, I like Chastain, the watermelon man, number one. I like it. At, uh, what would I say? 20, excuse me, guys, 20 to one. I like it. I like it. My next one going top 10. I'm taking Eric Jones here, you know, plus 125. Second best average finish here amongst active drivers. Four straight top tens. Last seven races here, six top tens. You know, just historically been running here. Again, a runner that, a racer that attends, that tends to avoid the big one. That's what I'm looking here. Give me Eric Jones, top 10 plus 125. I like it. I didn't know about the feedback you wonderful people have been giving. So I'll go with my third straight pick that winner well in fairness we are recording this thursday night at halftime of the lions dismantling of the green bay packers and someone messaged me hey i really like how you guys are mixing up your picks giving top tens and head-to-heads four minutes before we started recording so it wasn't like (laughs) you know what i mean it wasn't like i just messing with you i can't not come on here and give you crap my third pick michael mcdowell love super speedways been way more consistent all year with that team than any of us ever thought that we would see out of this team. 33 to one. He's won the Daytona 500. The man knows how to get up front and stay up front. Michael McDowell, 33 to one. I can't pass that up for him. I like it. I like it. My last one head to head. I'm going Brad Kozlowski over Joey Logano. Logano's last three races here. 30, 27, 32. And I know you're like, well, Eric, you probably got some accidents. Only one accident. But no, seriously, like he's putting up 
you know, he's he's putting up, um, you know, these awful finishes, and he only got one accident. Uh, I, I'm not going to argue with you on that at all. You know, um, you know, it's, you know, it's they're they're looking at that. Um, only last six races here, only one race he finished in the top twenty-five. Brad, eighth best average finish, three top fives last five races, one wreck last 10 races. I mean, look, dude, he is, he's doing it, dude. So you're, you're like the stat king. Like, I know, dude. I know. That's how I roll, dude. Consistently. That's all I got. It's those three. Uh, absolutely pay attention to live betting, especially if, if you have in car audio. Uh, if you know that guys are dropping to the back just to avoid the big one, you're going to watch the odds go up mid-race. So if you do like somebody early on that you see fade to the back just to be conservative conservative, and be there at the end, uh, live betting is a lot of fun at Talladega. And when you see guys drop to the back, odds will jump. If you like them, grab them then. Yeah. Um, what? How can we listen to the radio? What's the best way to do that? Uh, NASCAR app. I don't know how much it is now. It's normally $25 a year and you can scan, you can pick an individual driver, whatever you want throughout the race. And it's a huge thing. So if you have the NASCAR app, if you've never done it, do it next year for sure. Uh, $25 for 36 races, less than a dollar a race. Really can't argue with it. Um, now in terms of you, where is your next race? Um, and everything that's going on with your um, iRacing. You would ask me that. We are at schedule next Wednesday. We're at Iowa for the Iowa 150. Got stuck a lot down at Dega. Lost a draft to avoid a wreck. Um, missed two races coming into the season. And out of 27, we're sitting 17th in points, only 79 points out of first. There's no really playoff in this one. Uh, but, yeah, just looking to kind of take some trophies home. So we've consistently had top 10s every week until last week. And, yeah, we've got a – in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven races, we've gone fifth, sixth, first, second, eighth, third, and then 14th at Dega last night. So still feeling good about the car. Sponsors are doing great. I'd like to start getting uh, some swag from them to start throwing on the podcast. And if we get some nice picks or any fans pick a winner, maybe throw yeah. some swag out there. Always good. Always good. Brandon, I'd like to thank you for coming on. You know, look forward to talking to you again. Uh, NBA is right around the corner. Also, Brandon's going to be on the stream a week from Tuesday, October 10th. So make sure to check that out. That'll be more of a football center talk. Do like your boys this week, plus the seven against the Cowboys. Also, I am praying that the Celtics do not trade for Drew Holiday because that dude is a fucking dog. Um, I want to be a buck. I'm a buck the rest of my life. And then get straight to the next day. Okay, dude. Dude, he knew that was coming. That was completely to throw shade. He fucking knew that was coming. 
Okay. You don't fucking say something like that unless you knew someone is coming. But appreciate it, man. Always. Um, cash always some tickets. It's Dega, baby. Let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money. And, uh, you know, we'll talk next week, my friend. Good luck, everybody. Have a good weekend. And make sure you give my boy Brandon a follow at It's Me, Boston Boy 83. Hockey stuff is coming up, and he is phenomenal at hockey. He'll be posting more hockey picks, more daily picks. Make sure to check him out. Now let's shift our attention over to some CFL. We have reached a part of the podcast. We're talking some CFL, and who better to come on than the man, the myth, the legend, CFL, XFL, USFL, National Spring League, Arena League. Jim, Jim, how are you doing today, my man? Please do not call it the National Spring Football League. I will I will not boycott because I am a sick freak. But please, for all that is holy, do not call it the National Spring Football I'm going to start a Twitter account or X account right now called National Spring League Gym. I could just change my name to that. But what I'm going to do, Eric, after this, I might actually see if I can make it uh, a Twitter account. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to beat you to it. How does that make you feel? You won't. Um, so we're not here to talk about what's going on down north, south of the border. We're talking north of the border football with some CFL. Playoff times are coming, Jimbo. Playoff times right around the corner. Um, I always look at it when playoffs are starting as what teams could win it. In your eyes, is this just a two-headed monster, either Toronto or – Winnipeg, or is there a team that's outside those two that potentially could make some noise? I think BC could get hot. I think BC is like right there with those two for the most part that they can kind of make this close. It depends all on how they can do on the road. If they get a couple, if they get that home playoff spot, they're real dangerous to build some momentum, and they can they can compete with these teams. They'd probably be my next pick, obviously. As the season winds down, this is when the Elks get hot. They have a very, 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 very outside shot, but I still love this team. I want to root for them so hard. I had said like three or four weeks ago that Saskatchewan was a team to watch out for, and all they've done kiss since then is tank. Kiss of death by Jim, dude. The it's, kiss like the, of it's, death. it's like the announcer's curse right there. Just set them to the, the shadow kiss realm. Of death by Jim. Um, yeah, I'm looking at okay. it right now right online. Toronto plus 120, Winnipeg plus 170, BC plus 350. No real value there in my eyes. Next, Montreal plus 1,600, Tiger Cats plus 2,200, Saskatchewan plus 25. To me, I agree with you. I think BC is a play if we're looking to get a future, but I just don't – I don't like the line at plus 350. I'd much rather just play them on the money line when they have to play the – the the uh, blue bombers, but gets to that point. Um, we're here at week seventeen, starting off this Friday. We have Toronto getting seven and a half, plus two eighty on the money line, over under forty eight and a half at the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Important to note: Toronto is sitting many players, namely Swag Kelly. Yeah, Swag Kelly not playing. Maybe look for a Toronto team total under. Uh, maybe look for the full game under if you like. I think Winnipeg kind of wins this one. The line jumped when the news hit because it was two and a half for Winnipeg, and now it jumped up to seven and a half. Uh, yeah, I don't. Probably just 
stay away or play the team total under for anything? I would take the under 48 and a half. I think this is going to be my only bet this week, a little foreshadowing just because it's a real sloppy board in my eyes, especially with their no, no baby Elks playing. Uh, so I like the under 48 and a half here. Uh, next game, still on Friday night, we're going Saskatchewan Rough Riders getting 10 plus 395 in the money line over under 49 against the mentioned BC Lions. What say you, my friend? Uh, oh god i think that sums up this, this game perfectly no that sums up fucking saskatchewan if i went anywhere here it's the over i think we could get some points here bc mm-hmm. at home is great but also bc's defense at home remember that folks is pretty good here too i would lead towards bc don't want to play it i would play the over 49 Maybe a little sprinkle on that. That's the only play I would have here. A little sprinks, a little sprink, sprink. Yeah, a little sprinkly, a little sprinkly, Jimbo. Um, yeah, I want nothing to do. Maybe BC first half. Um, but yeah, I want nothing to do in this game. Next game Saturday, we got Montreal laying two on the road, over under forty eight against Ottawa. Ottawa's plus one oh five on the money line. You know what? I hate this Montreal team. I kind of want to take the fighting crumbs at plus two. I don't want to touch this one. Don't want to touch it at all. Uh, Montreal keeps burning me no matter what side of them I'm on. I would lean towards Montreal minus the two just because Ottawa is a bad team. And Montreal just seems to do well against bad teams. I, yeah, don't get me away from this game. Please. Okay. Right. I, I lean, I, I didn't bet Montreal. Bet, bet Ottawa, excuse me. Next game, we got the Tiger Cats laying one. At home against the Calgary Stampeders, over under 48 and a half. What say you, my friend? I say bet the under in this game, and I'm rooting against Hamilton because I want Edmonton to have some sort of a shot. Uh, I would bet the under here. I like Hamilton's defense well enough. I don't like this Calgary team either. I don't like either of these teams very much, but I would bet the under 48 and a half in this game. So let's do our traditional power rankings. Coming in at number nine, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take the Red Blacks. What say you? Yeah, I'm probably gonna go right there with you with the Red Blacks. Uh, coming in at number eight, what? I'm gonna take the Stamps. Stampeders. Uh it's either them or Hamilton for me. Mm. So I'm. I'm. I'll join you with the Stamps. I don't like Calgary. Um, coming in at number seven, I have the Tiger Cats. Yep, right there for me, too. Um, coming in at number six, I have the Rough Riders. Yeah, give me, give me Saskatchewan there. You know what? They haven't been playing good. Number five. I have our little babies, Jim. Give me the Elks, baby. I uh, I'm out. This is this is how they're doing right now. Not a season long thing, people. This is how they're doing right now. Number four. You know what? I hate to do it. I'll take BC Lions. Oh no, not BC Lions. Excuse me, Montreal. That's where they've been all season. They've been at like that four spot. Yeah, this is it's just Montreal four. 
BC at three. Who do you got? Uh, yes, BC at three, and then I would have Toronto at two and Winnipeg at one. Yeah, uh, even though the Bombers, it's kind of crazy how the Bombers could be the two seed in the West, but yet be number one in our power power rankings. Yeah, that's kind of crazy, Jimbo. I would like to thank you for taking time out of your your uh, your schedule to come on. Talk a little CFL Week 17 bets. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you and what uh, content you have coming out, my man? Uh, I've got Investigator Jim diving in into the XFL-USFL merger, and uh, you can find that on YouTube at XFL Jim. You can find me on Twitch and YouTube every Saturday morning with this guy over here on the college football tailgate as long as well as with our friend Chase Lupine Fiasco Sessoms uh, talking, breaking down college football every Saturday. You can find me on Twitter at XFL Jim and also Eric while we were doing this, you can find me on Twitter at NSFL 2024 national spring football league. I own the Twitter account. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. It's made. It's done. Okay. <laughs> All right, make sure to give my boy Jim a follow. Uh, we'll talk next week. Also, real quick, Jim and I do Spring Fever. That's on our YouTube channels. For those listening who want a more in-depth breakdown of the games, also so like a 20, 15, 20-minute 20 XFL, USFL talk about the merger. Make sure to check that out. Let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets until next week, my friend. Damn right, brother. Make sure you give my boy Jim a follow at XFL Jim. With all the USFL and XFL merger stuff going on, he has some phenomenal content coming out. Now, let's shift our attention over to the hottest man in DFS, Nick, a.k.a. at NAA Fantasy. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're talking fantasy football. And who better to come on than the man that's on the ultimate heater, Nick, <laughs> a.k.a. at NAA Fantasy. Nick, how you doing today, my man? Doing great. Let's keep this fantasy train rolling. Last week was pretty awesome. Got 97 points from our three guys we talked about on the podcast last week. Cousins, Allen, and Jerome Ford. So couldn't ask for a better lineup than that. You know, great week. Uh, You killed it. Um, You know, hopefully you can keep it going. Those tuning in for the first time, basically how it is. We just tell you a quarterback, wide receiver, and running back to build around. And... We won't give you the whole keys to the castle. We'll tell you some guys that we think you can put in your lineup that will get you a good baseline of points. Now, as always with the quarterback position, we're looking for people that can get 20. My list is Stafford, Sam Howell, Brock Purdy, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, CJ Stroud, Jalen Hurts. Oh, I have Jalen Hurts twice. Sorry. So C.J. Stroud, Josh Allen, Tua, and Lamar Jackson. Who are you working with, my friend? Yeah, I've got uh, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Tua, Herbert, Burrow, Wilson, Stafford, and Stroud. That's I, I refuse this to play. Like, this is my issue with Russell Wilson. <laughs> I know. <laughs> He, like the whole Sean Payne offense is designed to be quick, fast, and to feature the running back in the passing game. 
He's not getting the plays out fast. He's being very slow at the line. He's not throwing to Javante Williams or P. Ryan out of the backfield. I want nothing. Even though it's a great matchup, I want nothing to do with Russell Wilson. Yeah. I mean, again, he's low. He's lower budget. He can score 20 points, but do I want to gamble and go with him? No. (laughs) Now, we got Josh Allen. What what is your thoughts? We both have Allen. What you, what is your thoughts on Allen? Yeah, I mean that game could easily be high scoring. Uh, you know, Allen would have to put up some big numbers to compete with Miami's offense if they can't keep them off the field. I mean, but Buffalo's defense is obviously a lot better than uh, the Broncos' defense giving up seventy points last week. So, to me, Allen can score twenty points here, but I'm not. I think this game is going to be lower scoring than most people think, and Allen's expensive, so I'm I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to go with him. So if you think this game is going to be low scoring, two is out too. Yeah, exactly. Because Buffalo's defense is stingy. This is the best defense he's going to go up against so far in the first four weeks. I mean, the Patriots. Okay. Uh, But Buffalo, you know, they're going to, this is going to be played like a playoff game. Okay. I think it's going to be lower scoring and hurts off the list. That leaves us with hurts, burrow Stafford and C J Stroud. Let's go down to Stroud. What is your thoughts with him? He's playing the Steelers defense historically has been pretty good, but this year they've been a little up against it. Yeah, I think, I mean, Stroud's been playing well. He's adapted to the NFL pretty quickly, but, and he's going to need to throw quickly in this game. He's got a lot of O-line injuries, which worry me. And with TJ Watt lurking around on the other side, Stroud's going to need to get the ball out pretty quick. Uh, So I think there's potential for him to score 20, um, but, I'm not I'm not ready to put him in my lineup this week though. All right, so now we're down to Hertz, Herbert, Burrow, and Stafford. Yeah, Hertz, you know, the good things for him, the commanders have given up 14 carries for 97 yards and a touchdown to opposing quarterbacks, and they're giving up over 15 yards per catch to wide receivers. But the worry with there is what if it's a blowout? I mean, it could easily no. be a blowout. They could they could run the ball, and you know you you lose. You're not getting those points from Hertz. Um, you know you're getting it on the running back side. So I'm I'm not going for Hertz in my lineup either this week. What about Herbie? Oh, Herbie. I mean, <clears throat> Herbie's one of those guys I like. I mean, he's 7,800, so he's a little more on the expensive side, but. Uh, you know, in six games against the Raiders in his career, he's got 1,859 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, and only one pick. So that's over 300 yards passing a game average and 14 touchdowns. I mean, he's, he's an so, option. Again, though, Burrow, not Burrow, Garoppolo is still in the concussion protocol today. So he may not even play. So if he doesn't play... That means we're counting on Brian Hoyer to keep this game competitive. True. Yeah. If Garoppolo doesn't play, I don't like Herbert as much. If Garoppolo plays, I like Herbert a little more. Um, 
So that brings us down to Joe Burrow against this Titans defense. <laughs> but the one thing, the one thing I can't get out is how limited he looked. I know. And, they... staff, and the Titans do have a good front. Is he just going to be like, you know, is he not going to be able to step into the throws? So I, I, I don't know about Burrow. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee's pass defense is bottom three in the league. Um, you know, they do give up a ton of production. We saw Deshaun Watson just completely light, light him up last game. But yeah. I'm just worried, though, that with the calf injury, we're going to be really limited on what we can get from Burrow. And it may yeah. be more quick hitter. We may see a Joe Mixon game. So it kind of leaves us down to former Detroit Lion great Matt Stafford. What do you think of Matty Ice? Oh, you can't call him Matty Ice. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey, he's the, he's the Matt with the championship. <laughs> That's true, but you can't call him Matty Ice. Uh, you know, I like Stafford. I think he's a little under the radar in this situation. Uh, the Colts are giving up the second most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks in DraftKings scoring. Stafford has also thrown for over 300 yards in two of the first three games. The only piece that is worrisome for me is that he's only thrown two passing touchdowns so far and four picks. But I think this is a game that can turn around for him. And I think this is the an under-the-radar, over-the-score game. Uh, you know, it's going to hit the over in this game. And Anthony Richardson is playing. Yes. Um, we you know we're recording this Friday afternoon, and the coach of the Colts announced that Richardson's a go. So I think that's going to help this key game keep a close. So help this game keep closer. Excuse me. So I like that. So let's go ahead. Let's punch in Matt Stafford at. Where is Maddie Ice here? 5,700. That's going to open stuff up. Now we're going to shift our attention over to the running back. And I'm not going to lie. Running back for me was a little tough. Obviously, I have a crush on Javante Williams. I think he's insanely underused. I think he should be more of the focal point of the offense. Madison, phenomenal matchup. Like, absolutely a phenomenal matchup against the Panthers. Panthers gave up a ton of production to Kenneth Walker last week. Uh, Austin Eckler... Raiders can't defend QBs out of the backfield, but he's coming back from an injury. CMC, another great matchup against the Cardinals, but will they see him limit his production if the game gets out of hand? Najee Harris, but he's been a disappointment this year. James Cook, differences if it's a negative game script. Dolphins get ahead. Stevenson against that Cowboys defense that bleeds to the run, or Ellie in the revenge game. Those are kind of the running backs I am um, – I'm looking at what are, what are you looking at here? Yeah, what's interesting is that we actually have the same exact running backs, except I don't have Najee Harris. Okay. I mean, I would consider Najee Harris, but his production has really been underwhelming this year, and they're not even looking at him out of the backfield. All right, so let's let's bench, bench Najee. I mean, Steelers offensive line has been disappointed. Titans do – not Titans, Texans do go up, up some reduction to the running back position. So let's take him out. They do, yeah. All right. I mean, 
McCaffrey, obviously a threat, but 9,200 kind of blows up your, uh, your lineup a little bit. Eckler, yep. 8,500 <laughs> and he's coming off of an injury. That's a lot of money for a guy coming off of an injury. And we don't know what we're going to get from him. I know he could be on a snap count. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. We, don't know. we, we just yeah. really don't know. Um, yeah. You know, and with CMC and Eckler, the game could get out of hand. Yeah. What about Jamesy Cook? I like James Cook. I mean, if Buffalo can use the formula that the Chargers used against Miami in week one, then Cook could have a monster game. Um, you know, they should also be using Cook a lot to keep Tua off the field. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Cook is a viable option <clears throat> at, uh, what's he at, 6,300? Not breaking the bank there by any means. Um, so he's he's an option there. Um, and Dolphins do, for the most part, struggle against the run. I feel you can run on this Dolphins team. Yeah, I mean, week one showed it. Uh, I mean, they were they were better in weeks two and weeks three, but there's still a gap there. Um, you know, Ramondre Stevenson against the Cowboys. The Cowboys were leaky last week against the run. Um, you know, their numbers overall still look really good, but uh, Connor was able to, you know, actually have a lot of success against them last week. Uh, you know, Elliot, Ezekiel Elliott, obviously in the revenge game, I think Belichick's going to try to get him a touchdown off of, uh, off of Dallas. Um, you've got Madison. <clears throat> One thing to note, Carolina has given up two rushing touchdowns a game to start the season. Every game there has been two rushing touchdowns against them. I like Madison. I also like Javante Williams. Bears are giving up 100 yards per game on the ground and seven total touchdowns to running backs uh, to start the season. I know Williams has underperformed, but for how bad the Bears are, the Broncos could get out in front here and just just run and run and run and run. But, I mean, my, my thought is both these offenses suck. Maybe they just start punting, punting, punting. Well, I mean, that could happen. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> everybody, like in my, how I bet is this: everyone, when two bad teams play, they're going to be like, "Those are shitty defenses." Let's bet the over. I'm like, "Well, they're also shitty offenses." Yeah, exactly. So they're bottom all around. So <clears throat> we I don't, don't Madison. Well, I love Javante Williams, and I'm I'm starting him in season long. Well, that being said, I don't think we should play him in DFS. Yeah, I mean. I, I really like Madison here. I got to keep the train rolling against Carolina's rush defense. Um, you know, it worked. It's just been working every week. So, and we know, we know Minnesota's offense is good and they could easily get out ahead in this game. And Madison could end up with, you know, 20 plus carries and two rushing touchdowns. Exactly. Or Jefferson, big play. Madison's on there. So I like that. We're going to put yeah. a big Al Madison into the lineup. So right now we got, Maddie Stafford at 5,700, and then we are putting in Alexander Madison at 5,800. That leaves a lot of options open. Going down to the wide receiver position, here's the wide receivers I like. Jamar Chase against the uh, Titans, enough said. Keenan Allen gets 10 targets a game. <laughs> enough said. Dante <laughs> Adams. I did this when I thought it was going to be Garoppolo. But if it's Hoyer or... Aiden O'Connell, the kid from Purdue, I don't want anything to do with it. 
Uh, Chris Olave, historically good production when Winston plays. Adam Thielen, revenge game, getting 12 targets a game. Uh, Amari Cooper, but we got news today that Watson only threw one one pass in practice today. That's a little worrisome. Sterry Carey McLaren, uh, Eagles are a little banged up in the back four coming off a short week. I did have Puka on my list, but since we're going with Stafford, I'm going to take him off. George Pickens, clear number one now with no Deontay. Puka, who we're not going to use because we're using um, Stafford. George Pickens, who's going against the the Texans, who are banged up. Joshua Palmer playing the Mike Williams role. Or Jordan Addison, who I feel we can't use now because we put in Madison. What what do you think of my friend? Yeah, I'm with you on <clears throat> Devontae Adams. You know, if Jimmy G plays, I like him. If Hoyer or O'Connell plays, uh, not so much. Um, Keenan Allen, Jamar Chase, uh, A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, because the commander's pass defense gives up 15-plus yards per carry or per catch. Um, Olave, because Winston loves uh, Olave. It's a favorite target when he's under center. Uh, Higgins is another one just because of Tennessee's horrible pass defense. Only worry is Burroughs calf injury. Um, I'm out on Cooper now because of the Watson, uh, issue, uh, Tutu Atwell, I was going to say, but now that we're going with Stafford, <clears throat> I'm going to take him out. Uh, Adam Thielen in the revenge game against the Vikings. He's only 4,500 and Josh Palmer who's taken over the Mike Williams role in that offense. He should get he should get that lion's share of Mike Williams targets. Uh, you know, the only other one getting more targets is Keenan Allen and Palmer is only 4,000. Another thing with Palmer is um, he's averaged 15.6 fantasy points per game with no Mike Williams. Yeah. And he's only 4,000. I mean, come on. That's like a steal. <laughs> I think I, I think that's kind of it. Because by doing it like that, we just opened up the lineup for everybody. You, whatever high-priced guy you want, you can put in to your 50-50 contest. Because we just gave you a quarterback at 5,700 we think is going to score 20. And two player to a, to a running back and um, a wide receiver – between the two of them, you should be able to get 40. I think this is 60 points right here. Yeah, and you've opened up so much, 5,700, 5,800, and only 4,000. I mean, you could you could go around and get two high price guys in your lineup um, if you're smart about it. So I think this is, this is a good low-budget team to build around to get some superstars in there. Now, there, so this, this is what we're going with. Stafford, 5,700. Madison, 5800 and Josh Palmer, $4,000. Now let's shift our attention over to the fantasy football questions that have been set in. Question number one, I'm worried about Chase moving forward. Burrow didn't look good on Monday. If he goes off versus the Titans, should I look to trade him? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I guess it depends on your situation. I don't know what you're season-long record is. I mean, if you're 0-3 in your league and you need something now, I mean, I would definitely look to trade him. Um, but if you're like 2-1 and or 3-0 and somehow, you know, then I, I wouldn't panic. I'd wait it no. out. I think Burrow's going to slowly get better. And, um, you know, and 
Chase is going to come back. You know, it just may take a couple of, couple more weeks. But, you know, if Burrow doesn't have any more setbacks, I think he'll be fine in a few weeks. And we'll be able to uh, – Chase will get back to his numbers again. So I'm not uh, – I am I wouldn't panic if you're – unless you're 0-3. <laughs> um, do I start – H in this week, or do I just roll with Miles Sanders? <laughs> oh, I love this question. This one is, this one's fun. I mean, I don't usually like starting a guy that scored so many points the week before. Um, you know, H H in scored fifty nine points in my league. I had him on my bench last week. Ouch! Uh, but am I going to start him this week? I still haven't decided yet. Um, Miles Sanders against as in my opinion, has underperformed, but is the only guy there. The only thing I'm worried about is the Vikings are 0-3. They desperately need a win. This game could be a blowout, and Miles Sanders won't get the production that he needs. So I'm actually slightly leaning towards Achen, even though he's, a, he's not the number one guy in Miami, but they're still going to utilize him after what happened last week. So I think he'll possibly get more opportunities than Miles Sanders only because I think the game script in the Carolina Vikings game is going to go against Sanders. Now, what about Zach Moss? Should the question was, do I look to trade trade Zach Moss? Yeah. What about Zach Moss? Do I look to trade Zach Moss? Do I look to roll with him? What, what do I look to <laughs> This is a fun one, too. I mean, I would actually hold on to him because Taylor's going to come back next week off of the PUP list, but he still wants to be traded, and the Colts aren't willing to give him a long-term deal from what I hear. So I don't think Taylor's going to be playing for the Colts even when he's available next week. I wouldn't trade Zach Moss because – he, he might still be the number one guy for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I think if I, I just roll Zach Moss, I will, I will trade Taylor. I'll get what I can get from my agree with you. Damian Pierce or Kyron Williams? I'm going to go with – I know I know that the Texans have some O-line issues. I'm going to go with Pierce just because the Steelers actually are giving up 5.5 yards per carry, which is third worst in the league right now. And the Colts are actually pretty stout against the run to start the season. I think Stafford, as we talked about, is going to throw. Um, and Kyron Williams isn't going to run as much. Which Bears running back, Khalil Herber or Ross Khan Johnson? Yeah, uh, I, I'm sorry for you for having to make this decision that you have both of these guys. But um, I'm going to go with uh, Roshan Johnson, not being a homer on the Texas pick, but uh, – I think he's really starting to creep in on Herbert and I actually like the bears to give Johnson more opportunities in this game. So I'm actually going to go with Johnson. Tutu Atwell or Joshua Palmer. I like both of these guys this week, um, but I'm going to give the slight edge to Palmer stepping into the Mike Williams role. As you talked about 15.6 points per game average with Mike Williams out. Ezekiel Elliott or Paris Campbell in the flex. I'm all about revenge games. Uh, I'm going with Zeke here. You know, the Patriots are going to try to get him a touchdown against his old team, I think. And honestly, the Giants wide receiving core is all over the place. Um, You know, funny stat of the day is that 
Campbell has the second most receptions on the team, on the Giants team, with 11. Darren Waller has 12. But Paris Campbell only has 47 yards receiving on those 11 catches. Like, come on. It's all just being a dunk. I know. It's just trash. Yeah. And they're just and they're just tackling him as soon as he gets hit for a two-yard gain. It's so, cool. no. I'm on Zeke in this one. <laughs> it's completely brutal. There you have it, folks. Nick is here every single week sharing some fantasy knowledge. I'd like to thank Nick for coming on. Nick, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, my friend? You can find me at NAA Fantasy on X. It always it just sounds weird on X. I know. I, I still can't get like, used to saying it. <laughs> I mean, it just it, it sounds completely weird on X. Um, sounds, it sounds dirty. I don't like it. <laughs> it sounds like a site you shouldn't be looking at. Exactly. Uh, thanks for coming on, Nick. Ho- hopefully we can keep this train rolling, and we'll talk next week, my friend. Yep, let's get some more winners. Good luck. Make sure you give my boy Nick a follow at NAA Fantasy. Dude is absolutely killing it in DFS. Now let's shift our attention over to our NFL bet segment with my boy, David, a.k.a. Better, DP21. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're talking NFL betting and who better to come on than the man, the myth, the legend, David, a.k.a. Better, DP21. David, how you doing today, my man? Great, man. It's Friday. Looking forward to the weekend. Looking to cash in some more tickets. Definitely want to you know, get off on the right foot. Um, with some college and then you know work our way into the nfl here together so first of all i feel like now like since my team does have the best record in the league i can turn my lion's hat around (laughs) i can can kind of rep it with some pride now all right historically speaking that's a game we fuck up yeah like it got they cut it they they got to 11 i forget it was like 20 was it it was a 16 point game so 28-11, and I'm, like, recording with this guy Bryce talking about the Damian Lillard trade, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm recording with him, and on my little iPad right here, I have the game going on, and I'm like, motherfucker, dude, the Lions are going to fucking blow this. That's what was going through my head. When I'm they like, turned it over first? Yeah. I, I don't oh, know. No, no, no. When, when it got 28-11. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I'm like, this is, this is the game they're going to blow, but you know what? The fighting Dan Campbell's, dude. I mean, this. I thought this. I thought it was an awful hire. I love grit, baby. <laughs> son of a bitch, dude. Son of a bitch. He's getting it done. So you know what? I'm rocking my cap like this because I'm a proud. I'm a proud. I'm proud today, my man. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, I got a guy at work who would be a big fan of yours right now too. A big Detroit fan. <laughs> um, it's been a while, dude. God damn, it's been a while. Um, rough, rough week last week. Uh, I went 0-2, you went 1-1 and yep. for whatever reason. Andy Dalton doesn't like Hayden Hurst, and Frank Wright is committed to giving old man Adam Thielen 15 targets a game. I don't know what it is. The yes. Hurst popped in a hit. Uh, I Look, there are so many trends going to fade the Dolphins, and I did it. And you know what? It, the game wasn't even close. It was it was oh, yeah. over like that. Over like that. I went 0-2. You made a great call on the Chiefs. Bears just looked oh, yeah. flat right from the right from the beginning. Game wasn't even close. And come on, you knew when you when you saw T Swift there that it was going <laughs> to be a fucking. It was game. just 
that we're going to roll. Oh yeah. That we, we definitely rolled. <laughs> and then um, unfortunately the total of the Bengals Rams for Monday night didn't hit for you. So we started out one and three. Yep. We're going to get it going. Those listening for the first time, David's got a side for the first half. I have a player prop. David gets out a side. I give out a side. Two plays each, just rock and roll. David, you're going to kick us off, my man. All right. So first game that we're looking at for the first half uh, coming up this week is going to be Washington at Philadelphia. We are taking Philly minus four and a half. Um, really like this play. My model's got them winning by 10 uh, points easy in the first half right now. Philly is that great team for us, right? Like they, uh, you know, going back to last year, even with this offense, they have been a covering machine when it comes to the first half. Um, you got to love that, you know, just for starters from just an overall macro view of like how their team performs. Uh, they come out the gate pretty strong. Uh, you know, what I really like here though, is their rushing defense. Number one, uh, rushing offense for them. Number two, I mean, they are, easily top five, you know, in, in terms of rushing offense and defense on that front passing, you know, more middle of the pack. Um, yeah, but their higher passing defense rating number 14 in the league right now, uh, passing offense number 17. So again, like I said, middle of the pack when it comes to the passing attack, but on the opposite foot, <clears throat> the uh, Washington uh, team there, they're, you know, they're rushing uh, defense middle of the pack number 15, I expect Philly to be able to run over them. Uh, same with their passing defense, lower lower tier. Bottom third, uh, ranked number 21, number 22 overall, uh, you know, when it comes to their uh, defense. So, you know, I really like Philly at home uh, to come out strong, you know, make, make this kind of more of a statement game for a division game for themselves, um, you know, and just keep that kind of momentum going. So minus four and a half, we have a nice edge, uh, close to a touchdown edge, uh, over the book here. And, uh, that's what I want to roll with for ourselves for first play. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Eagles are actually one of the teams I'm looking at in survivor. So, oh, okay. uh, you know, definitely liking that one. I, I saw some stat where Hertz is just a covering machine now. Like yeah. he is covering games at home and the, the X's and O's for me in the game is I just don't know. I don't see how with the improvements the Eagles made, Jalen Carter could have been drafted by my Lions, but, you know, I'll go down that rabbit hole later. Running on that front of the Eagles. I think the Eagles right now with the with the issues of the DBs, you can throw on them, but I don't trust Sam Howell to make those throws. So I, I like that Eagles bet a lot. My first one. Is I'm going to the Saints game, but I'm taking Chris Olave over 72 and a half yards receiving. It's looking like Jameis Winston is going to be the QB. There's been three games that Olave and Winston have played together. Last game, Olave had 13 targets, nine receptions, 147 yards. In games that Winston has played with Olave, that's only three of them, 24% target share. Usually if it's over 19, that's exciting. Sure. He's at 24. So that is huge. Um, in the games, now, in the games that they've played, he just looks at him. He just stares him down. Bucks this year, I know everyone's going to say Bucks are ninth DVOA versus the pass, but they're 27 DVOA defending wide receiver ones this year. Jefferson week one, nine for one fifty. week two, DJ Moore six for one Oh four 
last week, AJ Brown, nine for 131. So it's definitely an issue. Dean is a little bit banged up. That means you're going to get a better DB matchup with Olave against this Bucks back four. I absolutely love it, dude. Give me Chris Olave over 72 and a half yards receiving for my first bet. I love that player. Uh, I was actually trying to trade for him in my fantasy league because he's averaging close to 10 targets a game. And to your point of target share with a different quarterback, you know, that, that number can only go up. So really like where your head's at in terms of uh, that player prop for this week. I, I hope it hits. I mean, I love it. Um, we just did it before you came on. We did a DFS segment. Uh, he was one of the players that we were looking at. And just a refresh reminder for those listening to this, you, are you ready for a kick in the nuts, dude? Okay. So Nick and, I, <laughs> Nick and, I, Nick and I do a DFS segment, okay? Yeah. But we it's three guys, cash games, okay? And we tell you the three guys, the three guys, a quarterback, wide receiver, and a running back. Okay. And we play that out, uh, you know. Nick entered his Nick Nick did two lineups 50-50 one both uh one of his lineups I think scored like 275 like just an absorbent amount of points and uh he made the mistake of asking if he would have won the millionaire maker if he put that lineup in there he, he would have won the millionaire maker if he put that lineup in there it like the lineup he had was absurd. The three I'm trying to remember off the top of my head the three guys. The three guys uh, were Keenan I Allen. Know, I was gonna say it's gotta be Allen. Allen. It's gotta be the Bills defense. It's gotta be something. Uh who else? It's gotta be Hill. It, no, he didn't have Hill. He didn't okay. have Hill. Uh the three guys we said to build around were Cousins. Okay. Allen. And um he said, because we did the cash game um, psychology, everyone's going to have Jerome Ford. He's only $4,000. Just play him because if he hits, you don't want to be behind it. If he misses, 50% of the people are going to be behind it. Sure. So he, he had a good game. He scored almost 20 points. Sure. Allen went off. Cousins went off. He had Roheem. He had Mozart. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he had um, the Bills D. I mean, it oh, was yeah. just... Like, and I felt so bad for him too, because he just, he's just now like transitioning over and doing this stuff. Right. And like, I'm like, dude, you always have to enter those. I'll always have to enter. Like if you're only playing two, just make the investment in the millionaire maker. Or one thing I found out and I'm, I'll share this with you and everyone else, the higher price, the contest, the lower winning number. So like the millionaire maker is 20 bucks. I think it was like, you needed 240 to win it this weekend. But if you enter the single entry red zone entry, which is like fifth, I think it's like fifty or sixty dollars to enter, and you only get one entry. Yeah, the winning thing goes down to two twelve. Oh shit! Okay. So the higher the entry fee, the lower it is to win the prize. Just kind of something to remember. But I felt for Nick, man. You know, I mean, Jesus Christ, dude, winning that million would have been nice, man. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Man, that's um, a kick in the nuts for sure. On this but, week's kick of the nuts. <laughs> this week's kick of the nuts. You know, one of these guys during the playoff game, what I want to do is I want to get like you, him, like all the guys that have come on here that talk all yeah, on yeah. during one of the playoff games. And we're just kind of shooting the shit and talking. 
Um, and you can you can bring that up during the time when you're on. Hey Nick, remember, remember Eric told me some crazy story how week three became the millionaire maker. Do you care to elaborate? But moving on. Um full side, what are you working with, my friend? All right. So full side, we're going with my team here. We're going Miami at Buffalo. We're taking Buffalo minus three at plus one hundred odds. Okay, so you're getting even money on the spread here. Um, I really like this. Uh, the lines actually moved in our favor. And, you know, my reasons are, are pretty straightforward. I mean, when I'm looking at this thing mathematically, you know, I look at these numbers and bills across the board, both defensively and offensively, are top 10 in DeVoe rankings everywhere. Uh, rushing offense, you're looking at number 10, rushing defense, number six. Uh, passing offense, uh, number seven, passing defense, number two. Uh, that's going to be clutch, you know, against this team with speed. Um, opposite foot for Miami. Uh, obviously, they just ran up. You know, I feel like these stats are a little skewed just because of how much rushing they just did all over Denver. Uh, but they are the number one rushing offense right now. Rushing defense, though, number 26. Um, passing offense again, number one. Passing defense, middle of the pack, number 12. So I really like where this actually, you know, works in Buffalo's favor at home. Uh, it's probably not cold enough yet, but either way, I, I still really like where we're at just from an overall defensive perspective. We have a better overall rushing defense and passing defense than Miami does. I think our defense is going to have to show up in this one, um, you know, as, as simple as it looks, uh, you know, as simple as that can be said. That is not as easy as it looks, and I actually really like this matchup for them going into this. I've actually got my spread projected at a full touchdown to win by, so we have about a four-point edge on the book at this number right now. So I really do feel like you know you're really getting a good price still at the three, um, you know, to win this thing because you can still go ahead and you know even if they win by this, you can still push. But I, I totally expect them to win by a touchdown here. So that's where I'm putting my money for the second game. I love the Bills here. Um, you know, I have this bet locked into. Here's here's just some trends I'm gonna throw out to you. Teams that are three and zero, three and zero ATS like the Dolphins are are forty two point three percent ATS in Week Four. Same thing, three and zero, three and zero ATS, and our road dogs. Hmm. Are you ready for this one? Twelve point five percent against the number. Wow. Teams that won by 38 points or more, the the more the week prior, 41.4% ATS. Teams after scoring 40 points or more, 46%. So it's just kind of like, I'm a big buy low, sell sell, sell high Uh, guy. Yeah. And I mean, these trends kind of they kind of support that you know what i mean and i think you kind of hit the nail on the head this is the best offense best defense that they played against and elon eli apple and Xavier howard are god awful in the back four yep you know i think i think alan's gonna be able to eat them up i love this i love this one a lot um my next one going to my my guy my boy my second favorite coach, Dan Campbell's number one, obviously, but my second favorite coach, Mister Mike Vrabel. Vrabel as a dog in general, 
an insane 61% ATS. As a home dog, he is 62.5% ATS. We talk about buying low, selling high. Teams that scored three points or less the previous week are 56, 34, and two. That's 62% against the number just because teams are looking, oh, this team's offense sucks. You know, they can't score any points. They just play the team with arguably the best defense in the league in the Cleveland Browns. Now you're playing the Cincinnati Bengals. And the one thing that really stood out to me, why the Bengals defense was so great last year, was they were the gave up the fifth least rushing yards, 103.5 a game. This year, they are giving up 151.7 rushing yards per game. That is third worst in the league. They cannot stop the run. Losing Bates and those other guys in the back four, I think this defense in the back four is just not that good. I think you can really throw in them. I think they're going to be able to lean on Henry to open up the passing game and get Hopkins, Burks, and the tight end, whose name I'm not going to attempt to pronounce, (laughs) him involved. Also, the strength of the Titans' defense is this front four. This offensive line for the Bengals is starting off slow. Burrow holds on to the ball longer longer than most quarterbacks do, and now he has a calf injury. He didn't look right in my eyes no. against, against the Rams. And the guy that I know that works with the Bengals, his text to me, I would be shocked if he goes. That was his really? text sent to me Saturday about the Monday night game. Oh, wow. I was like, hey, what do you think about Burrow? He goes, I would be shocked if he goes, if I, he, what do you say? He goes, I would be shocked if he goes, if it was up to me, he would go on IR. The only concern is we are 0-2. That was the text message I got. So obviously, Burrow went, they got the win, short week, banged up Burrow. Titans have the advantage in the trenches. Offensive line starting to get better. Bengals can't stop the run. I locked in the Titans here plus the two and a half small home dog. I like that. Um, I've actually got this line very even um, with the book right now. So everything you're saying, you know, takes advantage to the dog, uh, especially at home. So that is where, you know, when I see lines that are kind of like they haven't moved, um, things like that, you the, fa- the, the points favor the dog is where I'm coming from. Hopefully the dogs are barking. Hopefully you can get a 4-0 week. And look, it seems like you got a dog barking in your back, too. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> you, heard the, you heard the broadcast. You want to get involved, apparently. <laughs> hopefully uh, hopefully dogs can be barking for me. Hopefully uh, the eagles can fly. Hopefully, um, you know. Bills stampede. <laughs> the Bills tie, triumph and Olave goes crazy and wins me a, mil- wins me a million bucks because you're damn well know I'm entering the <laughs> Oh, boy. David, thanks for coming on. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, my friend? Yeah, of course. As always, look for me on uh, Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it these days. Uh, Better DP 21, better with an OR. Make sure to give my boy David a follow, and uh, we'll talk next week, my friend. Thank you, buddy. Make sure you give my boy David a follow at Better DP 21. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. Thank you for this week's guest, Bryce from the I Need Sports 
podcast. My boy Nick at NAA Fantasy. Brandon at Boston Boy 83. Jim at XFL Jim. And David at Better DP21. Reminder the ETalk21 Sports Show is live this Tuesday night. Dave Weaver from FanDuel TV is this week's special guest. Make sure to tune in for that. And uh, let's make some money and let's cash some tickets. Until next week, boys and girls.